What's up, guys? Welcome back. It's a beautiful Monday morning in Las Vegas. Finally getting cool. I can wear the hoodie. Today's going to be a little bit different. I have a friend, an entrepreneur, a man of great substance. And I say that because he worked very, very hard to get to where he is today, to where now he's giving back. This guy has been through it all. So if you ever, ever, ever heard, do not judge a book by its cover. He is the epitome of that. Sometimes we, we meet people and we're just overwhelmed by their personalities and just who they are and the presence that they have. But we forget that, hey, they could be just like I was years ago. Um, I have my good friend Gordon in the house. Um, what's up, bud? Dude, thanks so much for having me. It is hilarious how we met. And, you know, I'm still ready to get some of these big names to do this boxing match or whatever we're going to do for <laughs> mental well-being whether it's a golf tournament or boxing and really appreciate in the short amount of time that we've known each other, just how you love bringing people up and how you love using your story to impact others, which is what has driven me for the last, I don't know, almost 15 years of my life. Yeah. Yeah. 15 years. So I watched a, a short film uh, slash documentary on YouTube last night, which um, was a pleasure to watch because I was also going to kind of interview in a way today on a podcast. So it was good to know a little bit more about your history. Um, Cause again, sometimes you look at someone who looks successful and they have a big smile and, and, and they look like every part of the puzzle is put together, but we don't realize how much it took to get there. Um, so I, I'm definitely honored to talk to somebody today about mental health, about addiction, about going from psych orgs to being a huge entrepreneur um, and I know all about that too. I've had a few uh, stints at some psych wards, um, one or two that I went and admitted myself, right. and a couple where the sheriffs brought me their handcuffs with some Ativan. Um, but I'm very glad that I went through all of those things because now, as a 37 year old man, I can look back and and, and inspire some other people. Yeah, the, I mean, you you said a lot there, and yeah, over a lot. <laughs> over there, there's a lot to unravel there. But the long and short is, I put myself into some interesting situations from 17 to 20, and you know, like I experienced a bad breakup, and I didn't necessarily have the life skills to deal with life and the adversity and heartbreak and moving and all these things. And so I turned to pot at 17 years old, and I started. Like, I remember one of the first times I smoked pot, I'm like, oh my God, this is what I'm looking for. This solves the 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 ways that I'm not feeling good. It makes me, like, be more comfortable in my skin and with people. And and that just kind of, like, spiraled over the next couple of years, which led to me, like, losing a golf and academic scholarship because I got hooked on ecstasy. Um, you know, I used to um, deal out of my parents' houses in like double neighbor like double gated neighborhoods and um you know one of the 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 best things that I had going for me is I always looked like this preppy golfer and nobody assumed that I was a drug addict or a drug dealer which um you know helped me but it also you know and I and I think now when I'm working with somebody it's like we never know what's going on in somebody's life you know, their mom could have cancer or they could be a hundred thousand dollars in debt or, you know, their kid could be sick. And one of the things that I always try to do is how do I just show up and give them the the fair side of the deal and just in love on them? Right. And we're all struggling with something. 
You know what in- intrigued me a lot about you is that your transparency when it came to that, you had a good childhood. Right. You know, I, even at my age, can look back and point fingers and say, my mom left when I was seven and I was raised uh, by, a, you know, a single dad who's from Brooklyn and it was hard and, and we didn't have mommy to cry on and all that stuff. But it just shows that addiction like doesn't care who you are, where you're from, what your life was like, that you can be at, just be any type of person in the world and still become addicted. Um, and it also shows how different people cope. So like moving at 17 during high school, right. I w- that's horrible. Like I remember 9-11 hitting um, while my dad was still there. He lost right. a lot of his friends. And we, we had to move to a different side of the same town and that was hard but having to like leave everything you knew and then go to a different state i probably would have been smoking a little more too <laughs> well and, it, and it's one of those things it's easy to look back now and go i would have done things differently and you know in hindsight it's easy to look back but one of the you know what really motivated me is when i was a kid growing up i thought addiction only happened in movies and in the hood I didn't think it would happen to me in this upper middle class, really good family. I didn't even know it was possible, which is why I've dedicated the last, like I published my first book, Eluding Reality, when I was 25 years old, and I've spoken over 100 schools. I've spoken 20 odd countries and sharing that story because nobody came into my school that said, hey, Gordon, if you smoke pot, this is what your life might look like. And I can't tell kids not to do drugs, but what I can tell them is, if you do drugs, it might drastically destroy your dreams. Because as you know, like it only takes one bad hit of something or one too many drinks and you get behind the wheel of a car and you, God forbid, hit somebody or something and next thing you're spending years incarcerated. And, you know, especially in the US, it's so, and now with with Uber and, and some of these other, you really have no excuse to get a DUI yet. It still happens and, you know, it happens to some of my friends and you know, it's a $10,000 mistake because they didn't take an Uber and you know, pay the 30 bucks or whatever. So one of my favorite things is like I said, transparency. I love when I meet a man who's not full of shit and that owns who they are and their story. The problem I think, especially in, in, with men today is we're all walking around lying to ourselves about something. Everybody, to include myself, every day, I have so much stress, and how am I going to get this, and how am I going to pay for this, and where's this going to come from, and is my daughter's okay, and is my wife okay, but if you look at me, you'd never fucking know. Right. You'd never know there was an issue. But like you said, you didn't know that in an upper middle class family where your guys are playing golf and going to meetings and have good grades, that there would be a, a path to addiction. That's why I really like that you admit to it and you still give back to the community because just like I can relate to a veteran with PTSD post the war and I can talk to them individually because they they understand that I, I kind of know what they're going through. I can't talk to the successful 28 year old who's playing golf every Sunday and has a good job, but nobody knows he's snorting 30 pills a day. You know yeah, what I'm but saying? I, I would say you still can. I could, right? but like, it's good to have your own, your own lane in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Right. And you know, I basically was on this wild journey for 44 days that just ended last week, where I got dropped off in Montana with a backpack, a video camera, no cash, no credit cards, 
and no access to my accounts for a documentary about just like the good of people. And, and that's, you know, I was, I wasn't in the middle of that, but I was partly through when I met you and it was amazing. Like I would, I went to the first night I went to a bar in Montana and I told this story to somebody and they were like, Oh my God, this is so crazy. And they started pulling out $20 bills from their wall and giving it to me. They're like, Hey, if you need a place to stay tonight, if you need this. And the second place that I went was Portland, Oregon. And I basically was homeless and worked with over a hundred addicts in Portland for um, a whole week. And the crazy thing is none of them wanted to be a drug addict. None of them wanted to be homeless when they were kids. And they made a couple of decisions that led them to being homeless. And I mean, it was just, it was wild to see the community that they had. They were just all sharing each other's drugs. They were sharing resources. They were sharing food. You know, they were staying warm and having worked in, in so many different countries, the U S in my observation, is so fractionalized. You know, like you could be struggling with something, but you can't even call your best friend and be like, hey, look, I'm struggling with this. And so everyone is struggling with something. And and how do we as humans support each other and be present? And sometimes like I'll call a friend and be like, hey, I don't need your advice. I just need you to listen. Or I'll call one of my coaches and be like, hey, Nick, will you just please listen? to me right like i need that space that i can just share what's going on and and for me like one of my daily practices is journaling and journaling is a place where i know i can share it but you know i've written millions of words i've journaled every day for for 10 years that nobody's seen 99% of it and and for me that's the space where i go and i can be like hey look i'm struggling with this relationship or i'm struggling to think through this client deal or I'm struggling to, I have all these money-making opportunities and it's like, which one do I want to focus on and, and which one do I want to do um, as, as I explore the possibilities? And, and one of the questions that I ask myself is, how can I have the most impact? You know, and I was, I was actually supposed to host a breakfast in Phoenix, Arizona this morning for a massive one of the largest deals in my career. And you you were like, hey, let's go film a pod at, at 10 in the morning. And I'm like, balancing, do I fly back to Phoenix or do I do this podcast? And it was a, re- like, and I don't wanna say it was a really difficult, like I knew getting on air with you could impact and save somebody's life today. And, and that to me is more important than, you know, making, you know, X amount on, on this deal by creating a connection that they can still have the meeting without me. Um, you know, it's actually one of the guys that that I met um, with you, John, and I'm introducing him to a money guy. And it's just like, I know this is exactly where I'm supposed to be today at this moment in time because somebody could be listening or watching and, you know, thinking about maybe I can get sober tomorrow or the next day or, you know, like, maybe they get sober in a year and they remember this conversation. And I was in Mexico City in, in April and I was struggling with, with depression and I, I was listening to a podcast with Steve-O and this other guy and I'm like, you know what? I'm really struggling with this depression. Um, I need help. And so I called my friend and he's like, yeah, come to Arizona. We'll like turn your diet around. And so for me, like when I struggle with depression, which I have, I don't know, kind of like off and on most of my life, whether it's, um, you know, depression or it was a way of, of substance abuse, 
I have four F's that um, I kind of look at it as a chair, right? Like my fitness is super important. When I'm in a funk and I'm depressed, I'm not exercising. So, you know, I've been really focused in on, on my exercise. For me, I need like at least an hour, if not two hours. And that could just be a walk, right? Like it doesn't have to, I don't have to do like a two hour CrossFit. But the other, which is really vital for me is my fuel. Am I eating gluten? Am I eating sugar? Am I eating processed foods? And when I do that, eh, things can go, like I might be fine for a couple of days, but a couple of weeks it, it adds up. And then finances. And the fourth is friends. And when I'm depressed, like my fitness isn't good, my diet sucks, like I might have the finances, but my friends, I'm not reaching out to my friends. And so I look at it as a stool, like one of them can get sideways and I can still balance, but I need to, if I have all four, it's, it's that much better. And and that's that's what works for me, right? And and that's the, everyone's different. And that's where I believe the US system is really taking, not necessarily, they're taking a Band-Aid approach versus going to the root cause. And and you know, with, with a lot of your work with the veterans is like, dude, you guys experienced some super traumatic things that I can't even fathom. And, you know, like, I, I, I've never been to war and I don't want to pretend like I've been to war. Like I've seen some crazy things on the streets and in different countries, but like, dude, I can't, I've never woken up every single morning going today might be my last day. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a definitely a mind game to the point where you just shut down and you just don't expect to ever come home. And then you actually operate better. You know, if you have to swim with sharks and you're worried about getting eat the whole fucking day, you're not going to swim. You're going to drown or get eaten, you know? So, um, yeah, the mind games. What what drives you, though? Like, you, you, you've you been going down this journey for, like, since you were, what, 20 is when you went through a lot of those things. Right. Um, you, you don't have to do this stuff. Uh, but, yeah, and a lot of people in your position wouldn't. Like, what, what makes you want to talk to... A guy like me that you met who's still like trying to figure it out or like help people on the street. Because I have met a lot of people that are doing really well and they don't want to help. And I, I really, really love that about you. Like, what Dude, is, what I, is I think that? like, so for me, in the place that I'm at in my career is like, look, I can make more money, but like, is that what motivates and drives me? It's helping like on Thanksgiving, I went and worked with over 50 homeless people in Vegas. We got a bunch of water, we got a bunch of snacks. And we just went and, and met people on the streets, met them where they were at, and gave them a little bit of hope. And, you know, it didn't cost millions of dollars. It didn't, you know, some of my friends donated. We raised about $1,000, and we went and, like, got supplies. And, and, like, for me, when I was in this 44 days of kind of, like, homeless experiment for this documentary, I was carrying a sign on, in a busy street corner in Atlanta for 45 minutes. Do you wanna know how many people even looked at me in those 45 minutes? Three people only acknowledged me that I was a human being on the side of the road. Everyone was either on their phone or pretending like they didn't see me. And it was like, it was one of the most humbling experiences of my life that because I had a sign and I was asking for help, they wouldn't even acknowledge me. And so on Thanksgiving, when I was, working with these homeless people, it's like just being present with them, right? Like even if you don't have, like you see a homeless person, even if you don't have anything to give them, whether it's a water bottle or a quarter or a dollar or 20 bucks or whatever, just like wave to them and say hello and acknowledge them because we're all in this together, right? Like 
we're all part of this big, I don't know, we'll say social experiment, which is called humanity. <laughs> and we're, we're really at, in my opinion, we're at this interesting pivot with humanity. We can either go down this really destructive, destructive path, or we could come together to solve some of these problems and have a, like a really positive, create an amazing future. And, and this is what, what motivates me. And, you know, I've had people in my life who loved on me and supported me when I didn't love and support myself. And, and for me to be able to do that to other people is, is what motivates me and, and keeps me moving. I love to hear that. Um, because a lot of people don't want to do that. They don't want to put the work in. It, it's may, it may seem simple, but it's a lot. It's, it's a lot mentally. You got you to gotta go get supplies. You got to do stuff. Then you got to park. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know. I mean, I worked with homeless for uh, a while in California in the Bay Area and then in San, uh, San Francisco. And then uh, here, I used to cut hair. Right. So I'd, I'd say, hey, if you let me cut your hair, uh, can I get an interview? Or, hey, um, if they don't need a haircut, can I, if I buy you Wendy's, can I get an interview? And I, and I, and I started a little show called Broken People, Lost in Plain Sight. Um, and I did it for a little while. And I did a, a couple hundred interviews with homeless and did a lot of stuff. But I, I realized for me, and this is another problem a lot of people have, um, whether they admit it or not, and I'll admit it, I still have and had many things that I needed to fix in my life. Right. But when I was helping the homeless people, I felt like I was on top of the world because to them, what I had was everything. But I know inside that I have so much more to accomplish to better myself. So it was kind of like selfless, but also selfish at the same time. So I was almost using these people that had less than to feel better. So I stopped doing it. And I've been working on, on Bobby now because I, I feel like a hypocrite trying to act like I'm someone I'm not. Because to them, if you have a nice new car and you can buy lunch, you're amazing, but I know the level that I want to get to, so I stopped. Is, is it, I, I think a lot of people do that in a lot of aspects of life. They'll be in a crowd of people, or like you said, they're scared to ask for help, and that's the big problem. Nobody wants to help. Um, I've seen videos of guys with like a thousand dollars, and they're trying to give it to people in New York City, and the guy, and they're getting shunned. And he's like, I, I can't even give money to people because they won't even look at me. Right. You know, that's crazy that you said only three well, people looked at you. Which it was just like so fascinating. And, you know, I was I was texting this kid that reached out to me yesterday and he's in a really dark space. And I go, you know, I text him this morning to check in on him. I'm like, hey, what's one thing you could do to love yourself today? And he goes, I hate myself. Eat dinner. And I go, okay, like that's in say 10 hours. What's one thing you can do this hour? He's like, eat breakfast. And I was like, okay, but what about going for a walk? He's like, oh, I haven't gone on a walk in a while. And so he reached out to me and, you know, like I'm going to respond and I will, you know, like everyone who sends me a DM on Instagram and an email and, you know, like if some of the most, like if Mark Cuban can respond to my emails, I think I can respond to people's emails. Like I'm not getting a fraction of the inbound that he's getting. And so for me, it's like I, I asked um, one of kind of like a, a friend recently is what is one thing he wish he knew that he does daily now that he wish he had started when he was 20? And it was to praise more people. Okay. And he goes, I want to praise. I wish I would have started praising more people younger. I was too busy in the game and like making money and doing all this stuff. And and so for me, it's like, 
how do I praise other people? And even if that's a homeless person to say, hey, I really like your jacket or, you know, like if I'm out and about, I'm always complimenting people. Hey, I like your shoes. I like your style. I, oh, I like your smile. And, and you know, because you never know, like, like we've said, what somebody's going on in their, in their life. Yeah. And they might be suicidal. They might, you know, be thinking about doing drugs or doing something really stupid. And just your positive comment can change everything. That's a huge part of my personality. Um, because I always know that if I give back or I say, I love your jacket, you know, you look great, man, I wish I had some hair like you, you know, like if I can make somebody smile, we'll get you some stem cell. We'll get some, we'll get some. Oh, I, I'm still connected with the bioaccelerator guy. <laughs> yeah, Derek. yeah, yeah. Great guy. Yeah. He's uh he is a great guy. He's helping a lot of people heal. I like that. Well, but, and, and, and I think that's the thing, right? Is, is I do it and I do it selfishly. Like I do it. I give to these people for the way it makes me feel. I've done a lot of things in the last year, and one of the most impactful days was on Thanksgiving, giving this water and these snacks to these homeless people that they're not with their families. They're not with loved ones. They're not having a seven-course meal. And so how can I bring a little bit of love, a little bit of connection, a little bit of joy to what could be a very dismal thing? And everyone was super grateful. They're like, thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving. I was impressed a lot of them knew it was Thanksgiving, right? Like, because it's easy when you're in that that mindset to you know, have a just, cell phone to check the date. <laughs> like, yeah. Some of these people don't even have that. Yeah. Thanks. And 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 one of the things that I've noticed working with these homeless people the last couple of months is almost every single one of them has a felony. Yeah. And it's not an excuse that like, oh, they have a felony, but society in the US makes it so difficult for them to go get a job. Like in Vegas, supposedly you can't, if you have a felony, you can't even rent an apartment. So it's like, how are you supposed to do better in your life if the system's set up to keep you down? That's been a big issue with me former military police, uh, former Department of Defense. And then with my addiction, I got in trouble and my PTSD led me to to never hurt anyone physically, but but really scare uh, and do some things that I literally still live with today that, that went on my record. But everything's been expunged, right? right. So I realized you don't even need to, I'm not a convicted felon. I've, I have no nothing on my record. But because of the charges, it's hard to to go in my field and say, hey, let me go be a, a sheriff again or something because they say, yeah, we saw that this was there seven years ago. We know that you never, it, it was completely dismissed by the court 25 days later, but it still happened. So we're going to go with this guy. That's why I turned to the barber and the cosmetology and going to college and stuff with my GI bill benefits, because it was, it was a place where I could just build myself. What would you, what advice would you give to somebody? Like I'm, my wife tells me she's, she can't believe that I still smile every day. I'm on my third marriage. I moved 17 times before I even got out of high school. Lived alone from 16 to 18 because my dad's new wife at the time and I didn't get along. I mean, all the holidays by myself. Parents were divorced, military, all my friends, you know, taking their lives and my, me going through PTSD and addiction and multiple, like going to multiple psych wars and jail to now five years sober. And then as I'm sober, I lose my children because of my addiction five years ago. Like... Did everything, went to court, got an attorney, got sober, went to college. And it's still that those decisions I made then, and I hope this resonates with people, 
because the things you do today can affect you later in your ability to provide for not just your family, but yourself. What advice do you give to people in this world of like entrepreneurship and, and just being a go-getter? Like I'm still trying to figure it out. I got a paycheck every two weeks for almost 17 years with the military. And now I'm out here like trying to figure it out and it's hard. And I think a lot of people end up failing like, I don't know. You, we're you seem we're, to have we're, all, we're out. all still figuring it out. Yeah. And and those and this is a conversation I have with some of my wealthiest friends is around imposter experience. We we oh, all like, go my first few months in this podcast room meeting people like Sean Kelly and going to the UFC and I, yeah, I was like I'm wearing a watch that looks like a Rolex that doesn't even work I got from Ross and these guys are wearing like Richard Mills, Richard Millais. Yeah, but uh, some some of them are fake and yeah. some of them like but the one one piece I could really say Bobby is like play your own game. You can't compare your game to my game. You can I can't compare my game to Sean Kelly or any of these other people, right? Like I'm playing a different game. And one of the one of my favorite concepts is called the infinite game. And so, like the game that I'm playing is I when I die, I want to go down in history as like one of the most prolific creators in the history of the world. Whether that's creating books, whether that's creating pieces of art, whether that's creating companies, whether that's creating movements, like that's the game that I'm playing. And I'm willing to put everything on the line for that. You know, like last year I did a was doing an NFT company and I you know, scaled from zero to 10 employees in a very short amount of time. And I lost it all. I lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Does that mean I'm like going to fold? And like my whole family goes, Gordon, just go get a job. I'm like, I can't like for me, so much of my life and who I am is wrapped up in entrepreneurship. Like if I were to go get a job making 200 grand a year doing whatever, some sales thing, like I'll be miserable. Like I wouldn't even want to get out of bed. Like for me, it's like, okay, how do I impact another life? Or how do I, you know, structure something? Or how do I do another event? Or how do I, you know, like I had so much pleasure when I connected these two guys in Phoenix last week and they're talking about doing a, a multi, multi, multi billion dollar deal and, and thinking through, oh, if I call this person, they want to do it because of this. And these are the three main players in the trucking space. And he's done all these meetings and like, I'm just sitting there like silent at breakfast and watching, watching this. And the guy looks at me, he goes, you're just like me. You're a connector. And I go, yeah. And you know, yesterday I made an introduction that could lead to, you know, millions of dollars in revenue for these two people because one person asked for help. And it's something that you just are as a human. I'm, I'm a connector too. Um, and that's why I like Mentory a lot. Mentory is also a connector. Yeah. He's real good with people. Uh, shout out to Bob. He's he's uh, he's in the wind. Bob's in the wind. <laughs> he's, a, he's a fun yeah. human. We had him in here on studio in studio. Um, I like the what, best. What is it? Uh, they're doing that slap game. Yeah, he's trying to get number they're no, one. They're number two in the world right he's, now. He's killing it. <laughs> I like what you said. It kind of resonates with me. Play your own game. So, like for instance, the fight. I'm not a fighter. Um, I'm a fighter in my own right, but. A lot of people kind of fit the mold and they forget their own attributes and what they, they can do. We spoke a little bit uh, through DMs about this venture that I want to take on because it, it is me. Right. It's something that I did in the past uh, during COVID to better myself and, and talk to veterans. Um, but yeah, my soul is help veterans. How could I help them? And by helping veterans, it'll in turn help me uh, in, in a huge positive way. 
So like, I really look forward to connecting dots and, and maybe starting a nonprofit and working with the USC to bring the guy who's sitting uh, alone in his apartment right now, doesn't want to get dressed, doesn't want to shower, is doing drugs and thinks his life is over to go to him and say, look, I was detoxing off of heroin in a jail cell seven years ago. And now I'm five years sober, remarried, living in, in Las Vegas in, in a beautiful, beautiful house, doing things that I never, ever thought I could ever do. Even before the drugs, I, was, I never thought that I would do what I'm doing now. Right. It's funny, though, play your own game. I've always been told personally, Bobby, you talk too much. Bobby, you never shut the hell up. And it's been a, it's been a, a diss at me, even from people that I care about, friends. You never shut up. And now it's funny I get to finally use the, the tools God gave me to connect the dots and be the connector and sit in front of a camera all the time and, and help impact people. So, but that is my avenues, the veterans and, and the mental health space. Um, yeah. One of, one of the things that I always share with, it doesn't matter where you are. You're always one relationship, one idea, one book, one podcast, one new thought, one mastermind away from changing everything about your life. And, you know, I've had masterminds change my life. I've had coaches change my life. I've had one sentence change my life. Like, I remember reading a book. It was an older book written in, like, the 1918 or, or something. And it was this red cover. And I, can't, I couldn't even tell you what the title is. But I remember reading, if you want to be successful, live an interesting life. And I've taken that to heart. And I live one of the most interesting lives. I've spent the last four years traveling the world out of a backpack. Most people are at home during COVID. I was traveling all around Europe. And since I have a Canadian passport, I still could. And then I spent 2021 in South America working with shamans and, and studying with all kinds of different cultures. And so it's, you know, just because... You are interesting. But, and that, but, that's why I was drawn to you. I, I am the complete opposite of the preppy golf guy. Now I play golf with the preppy golf guys because I'm I'm kind of reforming myself and realizing like, hey, I do have a lot in common with these guys. But for a long time, I was the rugged vet from Jersey and like I was always cool with everybody, but it was like they were like the jocks and like the the more wealthy kids. And I was like skipping school with the skaters and smoking weed in the woods. And now that I, I realize how much more I have in common, I'm drawn to to people like you. Like the first day we met, I play a lot of like verbal judo and mind chess with a lot of people and they cannot keep up with me <laughs> at all. I'm already 10 steps ahead from these people. Right. I make them feel ridiculously uncomfortable because I'm witty, I'm quick. Uh, maybe it's a Jersey thing. You're one of the first people I've met at a, it, 10 o'clock in the morning who had as much, if not more, energy than I had, and I was drawn to that. And I'm like, well, those are the people I need to surround myself with, people like me who are also positive and want to impact people. So, yeah, you are definitely – because normally I'd be like, who's this fucking guy? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, and I, think, I, I don't think I – I don't know if I challenge you, but, like, I was challenging everyone who came into the studio that morning. I was like, let's do a push-up contest. And they're I like, videotaped it. They, they were like looking at me like, who are you? You're like this, you know, scrawny white kid. Like, I'm not going to have a push-up guy. And one guy was uh, an, a former NBA player. And he's like, dude, I'm not doing a push-up. And we ended up like, you know, hanging out and impacting lives because I was willing to take a risk. And one of my favorite kind of like stories or concepts is a story with Tom Brady. So most people don't know this, but Tom Brady gave up about $5 million of salary every single season. For his buddies, right? For his offensive line. So he gave basically every offensive lineman an extra million dollars, which gained him an extra half a second in the pocket. 
What does a guy like Tom Brady do with an extra half a second on the pocket? Win a Super Bowl? Dude, he wins seven <laughs> Super Bowls. Yeah. Without it, he might have like had one or two or maybe three. But because he was able to do that, so when I'm challenging people to a push-up contest, I don't care if I win or not. I'm okay losing. But I know it's going to create a bond and a memory going, I've never been challenged, especially like some of the guys who were in here that day were like just jacked and like yoked. And, you know, some of them dropped down, but most people are like, no, I'm like in too nice of clothes or oh this or oh that. It's like I love that you did. I'm a, if you people don't know me, I could be an intimidating guy if I'm quiet. Face tats, uh, you know, uh, I'm a big dude. Um, you did not give a fuck. I mean, the first 10 seconds I was with him, he had me believing uh, that <laughs> he didn't, didn't know what the fucking <laughs> UFC was. I didn't know the UFC and yeah. Dana White. That one was that was. And uh, I I didn't know you well enough to to turn around and say, what are you, fucking retarded? I didn't want to do that because... And my answer would have been, yes, I am. <laughs> but a lot of people, when they meet me, they're not going to try to poke the bear at first because they don't fucking know who I am. They, they, this, this dude looks nuts. Um, and you did, and I was like, man, I like that dude. Um, well, and that, that's the thing, right? Is I've put myself in situations all around the world, and I, I, I said for many years, like, you can drop me anywhere in the world, and I'll be able to survive. And then I, like, actually did it. So now I can say, like, I survived for 44 days, with no cash, no credit cards, and like just a camera and a story, and I survived. I was averaging walking like 13 miles a day. One, um, I did 55 miles with this race with Jesse Itzler. Um, I ended up like walking to the race, um, and and it was just I I met some of the most incredible people, you and 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 some of these other people that um, you know we were just able to have have fun and create memories and create stories and do things that like I want to be able to ask the question that everyone's thinking that nobody is willing to ask because it's going to make it uncomfortable. Yeah, being uncomfortable and being asked questions that you don't want to answer is is great, but being the guy like you and I who's lived the life, who has the experience, we're the ones who can ask it. I want to help people so when people look at me, they can't tell me, oh, Bobby, you cry, you're weak, you don't fucking get it, blah, blah, blah. I get it. I've been through crazy shit in my life. And if people know me, they know. You can't tell me after the psych wars and the jails and going to Iraq and all the things that I've been through with addiction and homelessness that I don't get it. You can't tell me I don't get it. I've lost my children. I've lost myself, my soul, everything about me and rebuilt back who the fuck I am. Those are the guys that I want to look at right in the eye, the, 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 the vet. There's a lot of veterans and a lot of people who think like, like I'm too tough. Like you don't, or, or they have this, there's a lot of people with this self persona of, I can't break character. I can't show emotion because then I'm weak. But when they look at a, a man like me, who's a strong man, a good husband, a father, who's been through all of that shit. And I can tear up and tell you I've been there. I feel like I, I crack their armor a little bit. Does that and, make sense? No, 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 a hundred percent. And I one, I mean, there's a few fundamental. I don't know. I would. I would almost say like flaws. I believe one of the most one of the most powerful traits any human can have is vulnerability. And I've made a career being vulnerable and leading with vulnerable and leading with my story of addiction or all these other stories that I've experienced that I've lived through, they aren't necessarily who I am now. And 
I'm able to lead with the vulnerability and create that common ground because everyone struggled with something, you know, and I'll never forget. I was doing a speech at a middle school in Arizona and this girl came up to me after my presentation about substance abuse and goes, you're the first ever person. She was 12 years old that I've ever told this. I cut a 12 year old girl cutting and I've never experienced it. I dated a cutter for two years in high school. Yeah. And we I would get in an argument and she'd go and lock herself and literally cut her thigh 150 times. Yeah. yeah. And, and so like I go, okay, I'm super grateful that you shared this with me. Let's go. Can you, well, let's go talk to a counselor and, you know, got her the help. And, and one of the things like I've, I've studied it a little bit is, you know, they are experiencing so much pain that when they feel the pain, it brings them into the present moment that eradicates the the emotional pain that they're feeling. And so if anyone's struggling with any pain, whether it's cutting or whether it's eating disorder or sex addiction or porn or, you know, like for me, substance abuse, dude, ask for help until you get the help that you deserve. And whether it's you message me or, you know, there's all kinds of helplines or there's a suicide prevention line or, you know, a lot of the work that you've do, you do with the VA, it's like the resources are there you just have to be willing to admit like one of my coaches goes like the rock bottom is a moment that you admit that you have a problem and you're willing to change. Yeah. So for me, that was, you know, spending my 20th birthday in jail and almost getting murdered the following week. Like that was my rock bottom. And I was like, okay, I need to change. And I've had other rock bottoms, um, you know, in, in my life and it's hard, but like one of, are you willing to do whatever it takes for as long as it takes to change? You know, it's sad that it gets to that point before we can get help. And I go back to your point earlier that it's we can call people for help, people that we consider friends, that we, right. we care about. And a lot of them won't even answer the phone or they'll be like, no. Or I think that just like I say uh, substance abuse and, and drugs is the solution to my problems. That's not the core th reason that I use. It was that was my that was my medicine to, to know. No, 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 that was a solution. Yes. You were experiencing emotional, physical, and mental pain. And when you say smoked pot or shot heroin or fill in the blank, it numbed that pain. Yeah. And I, well, part of the reason why I've dedicated most of my career to working with addicts is I admire them taking action. I would rather work with somebody who is homeless, smoking fentanyl, than somebody who's watching Netflix and you know, on the couch and has an okay job and just like doing nothing with their life. Yeah. The monotony like, of just nothing, you know, and, and there were a couple of kids that I met working in Vegas and, and one kid, I was like, dude, how long you been out here? He goes two years. I go fat fentanyl. He goes, yeah. I go, you want to get clean? He goes, yeah. I go, let me make some phone calls. He goes, can you get me into a center today? I go, let me make some phone calls. Here's my number. Call me. And it breaks my heart that he didn't call me the next day because I had made those phone calls and I potentially had a bed for him, but he hasn't called. And another guy, he basically is getting like a huge tax check and is homeless be because of it. And, you know, he called me the next day. He's like, hey, I got these like flash drives with a clothing company. Can can like we meet up and look? And I like, you know, call them back and and, you know, we're supposed to meet. And it's but I didn't give my number to everyone. Like there's certain people that you know that you can help. And there's certain people that, you know, like I have the firm belief that everyone can change. 
And there's been people that have come across my path that have chosen not to change. And, you know, they're either in jail or died of an overdose or, you know, really struggling. And as we've both experienced, we can change. And it's not easy. Like, I work on myself for three hours every single day. Like, yeah. I journal. I work out. My food for the last week during Thanksgiving has been terrible, but, like, I made a commitment today. It's like, okay, I'm going all in on the sh no sugar, no gluten, probably until Christmas because I have, like, a really intense travel schedule. I, we're hosting events, and, you know, I got to be on my game. Yeah. Your family is in your corner as well, right? Because my dad is one of the reasons I'm alive, literally. Like, he's still to this day helps support me in so many ways, not just financially, like mentally. Um, I I say this because I met a guy named Dustin, a uh, 27, 28-year-old kid. I, he was one of the guys that I interviewed. Right. He had been on the streets for 10 years in Vegas. Uh, his mom passed when, she, when he was very young. Um, did a lot of interviews, helped him a lot, bought him tents, all this stuff. Got him... Um, there's a podcast that a guy I know runs. It's a pretty big addiction podcast. Uh, something Hell. I forget the name of it. He's based out of Florida. Okay. I mean, he's been on No Jumper. He's really big um, in helping people with addiction. He's a former addict, or he's an addict in recovery. And uh, I had sat with Dustin, and I said, you're going to die if you don't. Like, I've seen him, like, shooting meth, like, running around parking lots half naked. Like, it was real right. bad. Um, and I called this guy and we got him a bed in Florida. We got him to be able to go on a flight without an ID to go to this treatment center. And uh, he, he, the day came and passed. And then I moved out of California. We just moved, uh, moved back to California. We just moved back here about a year ago. And when we came back, I went to look for Dustin and I found out he had, he had died. And, and it hurt because I, I saw so much beauty inside this young man. I mean, he would talk to me about being a video game creator. I got a hold of, uh, you know, I, I lived at the time in a fifth wheel camper at an RV resort. Okay. So there was also like showers there. So I, I would get him like clothes and take him to Walmart, get some stuff and let him shower. And I gave him a haircut and bring him back to life in a lot of ways. And then just to go through all that with people. Uh, and I say that because we can't help everyone, but sometimes have you ever been in the position where sometimes you you give so much of yourself that you've taken out of your own your own soul? Yeah, and I would do it again. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things I know when my batteries are low and I know what I have to do to turn off. Like I write in my second book called The Connection Effect, I a whole chapter on digital disconnection and I've gotten away from it the last couple of weeks is on Sundays I do no tech. So no social media, no text, no podcast, no nothing. And it's just like my day to reset and recharge. And it's three days in one, like 12 o'clock rolls around and you're like, Jesus, is it dinner time already? You're yeah. like, I've done so much. And that's one of the things that I do. And I didn't do it yesterday because um, I kind of did a couple of like really slow days during Thanksgiving um, where I wasn't as turned on, but my business, I do a lot of outreach and my business is based on connection, right? So I'm reaching out to 200, 250 people a day, sometimes like six days a week. And I get so much pleasure from that. Yet also one of the things is what I give to people and I try to have expect nothing in return. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a good trait. There's a lot of people, they don't have that trait. They just, they only give because they have, um, and I found that a lot in business, especially coming here in like the influencer space. Like everybody <laughs> is just fake as hell using each other to get more followers and more views. And it bothers me. I'm such a loyal person that it's really hard for me to be in the creator space, knowing that people are so full of shit. And, and it drives me nuts. Because I want to strangle these fucking Yeah, but, like, who cares? Just let it go. Like, Yo, I'm learning that. I'm learning it's just business. They're going to figure it out, right? Like, But you know one thing that bothers me a lot, not to cut you off, and I want to ask you about this, because um, today looking at you, you, if people didn't know you, they wouldn't know the story and all the crazy shit. Uh, Helicopters running through the street naked. I don't want to throw your business out there. (laughs) No, no, no. no. uh, I'm I'm an open book. I've written books about this. Yeah. Like... Dude, I escaped the psych ward. I had two helicopters, six police dogs looking for me. And the story that ran on the news was naked man escapes the psych ward. In fairness, I had a pair of white Tommy Hilfiger boxers. Tommy, I'm, I'll still take some ad money on that. Um, but yeah, I. I've so, so you've done been some through it. Things. Yes. So, but, but what, I, what I've seen lately because of this creator world and this new ridiculously large infrastructure of podcasting podcasting has just come out uh out of the out of the blue so yeah but it's it's been 10 years right yeah but what i what i'm what i want to say is i know that you've been through a lot and you know that i've been through a lot and 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 i want to ask you about all there's so many people now that just for the clips and the clicks are literally like searching for pain that's not even there so i i see so many people that are talking about being um oh, what is the word uh traumatized yeah 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 there's a lot of people talking so like i can tell if someone's full of shit right off the bat and almost every day i see clips of people acting like they had such a hard life and they're not genuine they're just full of shit because they want to act like they have all this this trauma and all this these hardships so that they can get clicks and be relatable like when did it be fucking cool to to why is it something that people want to be related to like i don't want to have a past of all the shit that i've been through but now it's cool uh and it seems cool on the internet to be like Someone who's gone through so much. I don't know. That was the worst I, way I don't to know what it. content you're watching. I don't see that in my feeds. Um, well, because it's good. I need to. But what I believe that humans are craving right now more than anything is connection and similarities. Whether it's you both like the Oakland or the, I guess it's the Vegas Raiders now, or you both like Three Toad Sloss, or you've served in Iraq. Now with with social media and communities, we're really looking for communities more than ever. And MySpace for last, I don't know, basically almost 17 years has been masterminds. And diving into that, which is, you know, my definition of mastermind is people coming together to solve like problems. And whether that's you're bringing homeless people and creating a show of how they can create transformation, or I'm bringing together some of the most successful people on the planet to solve some of the biggest mental health problems. Um, you know, we're all looking for purpose and meaning. And whether we get that purpose from 
helping the homeless person or helping that addict or just being the best dad possible, right? Like the thing you have to wake up every single day and go to bed with yourself. And sure, you, you're, you have a wife and you have these kids and all this stuff, but like I have to be proud of how I show up in the world. And there's certain times where I, I check myself and I'm like, God, I could have been more compassionate to that person or I could have given that person an extra second or I could have loved myself more or you know, like it's it's funny when 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 you take me to a van or something like I might just like leave in the middle of dinner because like I've hit a wall and you know like one of my patterns is I'll go for 90 or 120 days in the last 30 days I've been on eight different airplanes right like my lifestyle is wild and most people can't keep up and Sometimes I crash. And sometimes, like, at Sean's big event that I was helping with, dude, I'd been there at 8 o'clock. I'm sweeping the floors at 7 p.m. while people are waiting to come in. When the party started, I was fried. Yeah. And I went and walked around the building, did my intention, and, like, I was out of there at 9.30. Like, yeah, same. I, I We left at about the same time. And, like, I know I would rather not be there than be there half-ass yeah and, and and you did what and maybe i don't want to speak for you uh going to sean's event for me was to support sean right. and i felt like my only intention was to show him that i i got his back and i feel like leaving early was okay for me and my wife because he knew that i showed up for him i i obviously i could have done more business and try to connect and i and i did connect with a lot of people but I was there for, for him, you know. He he's a great guy he's from Jersey. Um, I support him. Uh, he's absolutely killing it. Dude, he cr he crushes it. He's yeah. one of like the top like, creators on the planet. I didn't mind leaving because I knew that he knew that Bobby showed up for him. Right. So I, I think I like that. And, and I think that's like if I look at my success, Bobby, a lot of it has to do with putting myself in places where I can be successful. When I'm hanging out in How do you Vegas, translate it to dollars though. That's the thing with me. I know so many people. I talk to so many people. Everyone tells me they love me, and I'm such a great person. But then I'm struggling to get formula for my dog. Like how? Yeah, but it, what so, is the next? There's still things in there you probably learned through like yeah, yeah. business and just experience to turn it into. So, and I don't mean use people for money. I mean like no. just to survive. Like so. So here's one of the things that I also struggle with as well because I am a connector. And so for, for me, sometimes it's difficult to ask for the sale because in my mind and my story and my narrative that if I ask for the sale, they might not be friends with me. And so sometimes I'm not willing to jeopardize the friendship to ask for a sale. And what I would say to you is you just need a better offer. And right now, like from what little I know, your offer is like, hey, do you want to come be on my podcast? right? Like super value add to me. And so I'm like, oh dude, I really like this guy. We had an amazing first interaction. He's kept following my stuff and commenting and liking and sharing and viewing. I'm here. I'm in Vegas. I pinged you. And I was like, hey, you're like, hey, can we come do a show at 10 o'clock? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Um, we can impact some lives. We can hang out. I can learn more about your story. What I would say is it's just about the offer. Right? Like, if you were putting people hypothetically into a $200 a year Facebook group that, like, you were going to have a fitness expert lead a workout once a week or something, 
that might be a perfect audience for your friends, right? Like it might be, hey, let me introduce you to two of my podcast friends and get you on two additional shows. I usually charge a thousand bucks for this service, but for you, I'll do two for a thousand bucks, right? Like, I don't know enough about your business and your offering. Um, I have none. <laughs> you were, you, I was the offer to you, like, because when we spoke about maybe doing something yesterday and we couldn't, I didn't want to lose the this conversation. So my, my that's definitely, I, I see what you're saying. And I've had a lot of people tell me like, hey, I know a lot of fighters. Why don't you get a hold of some of these nightclubs and say, hey, I can bring X, X, and X and, and stuff. And I think I'm just so new to this space. Uh, I've never had to use that side of my brain in business because it's right. just been like, work your ass off, be loyal, take care of your guys, and you get paid no matter what. Money was always secondary. But now that I have a family and, and bills and it's not free housing on the military base, I have to put it first. And I certainly uh, put relationships first when I, when I should. Well, it's a, it's a creativity aspect. And this is what I love about business. My love language is whiteboards. So I always have an expo. I, I took it out of my pocket. Um, but I'm happy to like sit with you and a whiteboard and like – I, I can help you create a million dollar business in literally 10 minutes because I've done it so many times and I've studied so many businesses since I was 10 years old. Like my first hustle when I was 10 years old was selling golf balls behind my house. And I used to have a ledger of how much money I made each day selling golf balls. And then I got a job working at a golf course doing backdrop. And I would track how much money I made every single day. Like I have ledgers from when I used to park cars in valet, how much money I made every single shift. I have a driver, a seven, a hybrid, and a wedge in my trunk. We should hit a bucket after this. Let's do it. <laughs> right? And and but but that's the like we we're that's so a skill, though. We're so close to our own genius, we don't know the value that it creates for the world. Well, that goes back to building a team, right? You're you're good at that. I'm the talker. I'm good at literally uh, showing up and and consistently being the same guy and and spreading love and giving advice. And that's great. Like Joe Rogan, for instance, biggest podcast in the world. I'm sure that there's a lot of people behind him doing a lot of the other things. He's got I, a really lean team. Bro. Yeah, I just need to up the offer a little bit, but dial it in with someone else who who knows business and then make it lucrative and beneficial to all parties, which uh, is something that I know is going to happen because I'm going to leave with my heart and my heart is helping vets. Like, for instance, maybe partnering with uh, the Raiders and if there's a baseball team that comes out here and the UFC and all these people say, hey, I'm going to be the veteran uh, who brings vets to fights and you know, get Black Rifle and all these other sponsorships that would support. Like, who wouldn't support right. an Iraq vet whose dad was in the rubble at 9-11, who genuinely is leading from his heart and and not being, like, a snake who's just doing this for money? Um, I, I just have to put those pieces together. Well, it's, just, it's just the offer, right? It's, yeah. And, and That's this a good, goes back I mean, to, like, to the sales, right, is how do I cr create a compelling offer? And whether that's you're selling, like, these pants that I'm wearing or – this mala or I love this, that. this I love shirt, that. right? Like, for whatever reason, I decided to give hard-earned cash for this, right? And in every transaction, there's there's something. And I believe where we're going in the future is it can be a win-win. And what I experienced in the 44 days of being homeless is sometimes I could help somebody cook a meal and next thing I'm eating food. Or I could you know, help somebody like take their dog out for a walk. And next thing I'm staying on their couch or like 
one of my mentors, I remember we were on a long training run. I was training him for a marathon and he goes, Gordon, why do you do what you do? And I go to help others because I've experienced some interesting experiences and I feel best when I help others. He goes, Gordon, why do you think I do what I do? I go, I don't know, to make money. He goes, no, the same reason you do, to help others. But if you don't ask me for help, I can't help you and you negate me of the feel-good response I get when I help you. That's because everybody is human and everybody has those needs. Yeah, I think that's that's a lot of things. And I hope people that watch this realize like, oh, and something clicks. Like, oh man, like let me go do that one good deed. Let me, I have a friend who's really good at, at building businesses. I've never asked him for help, but I have this great thing that I've been wearing. Like, it's just people need to come together more and realize like, there are not everybody's out there to just slit your throat. There are people that you can meet and they could be the 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 next best friend for the next 40 years of your life. I I, I say you have your uh you have two types of friends. You have your first friends and then you have your second friends. Like your first best friends, uh you when you're with them, you talk about the past and and you talk about memories and all this stuff. But your second group, you talk about life uh moving forward in the future and building businesses and raising your families and i think a lot of people are stuck in that past relationship and that's they never get well, out of the, their town. there's a saying and i'm probably i think i just butchered it i was yeah I yeah like it. broke people talk about the past um middle class talk about the present and the wealthiest people talk about the future and so you know, like, yeah, we can talk about trauma and like we can share trauma stories and drug stories and all that stuff. But like, that's not going to take us where we want to go unless it's in a therapeutic setting that we're moving through trauma. And I'm a big advocate of using plant medicine and therapists and coaches. And, you know, I've spent insane amount of money on coaches and masterminds and communities. Um, you know, way, way, way more than most kids spend to go to college. And I always learn something, but it's those people that push me to think differently, that push me past my limits, that see something in me that I can't see in myself. One of my friends was texting me. He goes, dude, 2024 is going to be the biggest year for you. There's reasons why I've been investing time in you for the last couple of years. You're about to blow up. And as they say, like every overnight success is 10 years in the making, right? And, yeah, and, yeah. and for me, it's been 20 years. Um, a very over, a very slow overnight success. Um, <laughs> Same. <laughs> but but, but that's the, like we, we never know what that big break is or we never know how we can impact somebody else. And, you know, I look at, at my legacy and, you know, I've, I've definitely impacted millions of lives and I, like I'm more thinking, how do I impact another billion? How do I impact 8 billion people on the planet? Like most of the people on the planet live on less than $2 a day. And you know, like our friends are concerned about what watch they wear or what nice restaurant, or if they have box seats at the Raiders game, like at the end of the day, most of that stuff doesn't matter. And, and one of the things that I've experienced the last couple of months is like no human in the U S should live a day, not under a shelter and not without food. And water. And and I look at the system and some of my mentors go, Gordon, follow the money, follow the money. And you know, it's somebody's always profiting on on some of this stuff. And so yeah, all of it, right? You know, like I look at at my companies and my movement, 
you know, genius creators and really loving into solving youth mental well-being because we're all a genius at something. And, you know, for you, it's talking, right? And, and when you do a podcast and when I'm talking to you, it's like the world fades away and we forget about time and next thing we're chatted up for an hour. And the, the second part is creators. We can all create whatever it is we want in our life. Right? Like you want to be the best dad. You want to have the best podcast for veterans. You want to transform mental well-being. Like you can do whatever. And and that's the for me, it's like it's finding those people that I know I can love into and and that that do it to me. And it's also like being willing to ask. Like, dude, if you call me anytime in, you know, whether you call me in five years or whether you call me in a week or whether like, dude. As long as you do the work, I'll answer the call. And I won't charge you what I charge some of my other clients, right? It's like, for me, like there's so many people who have spent days and weeks and months and years loving into me that have never charged me, you know, but I do the work. They say, go read that book. I'm buying the book on the call with them and I'm reading the book. Or they say, hey, go watch this podcast. You know, like I sent you two podcast or not two, like two short interviews. And you're like, oh my God, you like watch them right away. And then you sent me a video with your daughter. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so cute. That like made me feel good that you're just like hanging out with your daughter who's like asleep on the couch. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, there's so much content and there's so much wisdom out there. There's, there's no excuse that every human on the planet doesn't have a six pack abs. But I like what you said, fitness as well. There's a lot of people that want to be heard and they want to talk and have this same type of conversation. But then as soon as the lights are out, they forget and there's no motion. There's no work. A lot of people just want to want to bitch and complain, but they don't want to actually take the necessary steps and do the process to get the result. And that's a big problem in America. Well, right so it's front stage versus backstage. We're all comparing our backstage to everyone else's front stage on social media. Oh, they're flying private, or they got a Rolls Royce, or they got this, but they're on their seventh marriage, their kids don't talk to them, and the, okay, so we just had F1 in Vegas, right? Do you know how many jets were repossessed that weekend? (laughs) Wow. 12 jets were repossessed in a weekend. And those people that had their private jets repossessed, repossessed are the same people that hundreds of thousands of other people are comparing themselves to and looking up to them, not knowing that they're actually in Maybe or maybe shit. not. You know, maybe maybe not. But you know what I mean? Like you said, the, we're comparing Well, it's so a front stage much. versus backstage, right? And, and we have so much stuff that's going on. Like, dude... One of the things that we didn't even talk about is I almost blew off my leg in an art accident in March, and I was airlifted in a helicopter from Aspen to Denver and given ketamine in the helicopter, one of my five most spiritual experiences of my life, and then was in a hospital for two weeks given fentanyl and Oxycontin and ketamine, drugs I spent my entire career fighting against as they're giving it to me in an IV to deal with the pain. Right? Like, I couldn't, I literally was in a wheelchair for a whole month. And then I went and did a 55 mile race six months later. Right? Like, I'm more proud of that than I am when I did an Ironman when, in 2016 or ran rim to rim to rim of the Grand Canyon. Right? Like, and one of the things that I experienced is like, I'm at my best when I'm in nature and I'm loving 
you know, myself and others. Well, I, I'm I'm proud of you. I saw the scar. <laughs> it, it's horrific. It is a wild um, scar. But no, I, I really appreciate how you show up in the world. I really appreciate the impact that you're making for others. And, you know, for those watching and consuming, dude, if there's anything I can do to help, reach out. Just shoot me a message on Instagram is probably the best. Gordon Bufton. Yeah, we'll put um, it in the description. Yeah. Shoot you a message. I'm like... Dude, just ask for help. Like, we might not be the ones to help, but I'm sure I have the resources and somebody in my network that could help. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate your time. Um, guys, watch this and really listen to it. Try to take it in. Don't don't just continue to do the the damaging things that you know are wrong. Cause I think most people that are going down downhill know what, what they well, need. Well, the to definition fix. of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, right? Yeah. Like let's we, change the result. We we took different actions and, and even still now it's like, you know, like I'm gonna be on your ass like, okay, two hours a day of income producing tasks. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna text you every day, Bobby, what'd you do to make money today? And you're gonna be like, I'm gonna do a podcast. Like, no, no, no. What'd you do? I'm going to go drive Uber after this. <laughs> um, I appreciate it. We'll, we'll definitely do some more more episodes. Guys, we got a roll. we got a, 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 another guest, uh, more podcasters outside, Sticky Paw Studios, like, share, follow, blah, blah, blah. All those real cool all guys. Those, all that crap. I thank you for coming in, brother. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you, thank you. I hear Sean's infamous voice. Yeah, yeah, his voice.